Hi everybody, my name is Ayan and I welcome you to the Developer Nation broadcast brought to you by the Developer Nation community and slash data. Developer Nation is a global community helping software creators set the right foundations for their career, learn how to stack up against the emerging software development trends, get tips and discover opportunities for professional growth. Developer Nation is also behind the global independent developer research program powered by slash data engaging over 30,000 developers from more than 165 countries. The Developer Nation broadcast aspires to shed light on the journey of developers that have set the bar high by pursuing impressive career paths. It is meant to be community-led, so feel free to reach out and suggest any guests we should consider inviting on the podcast and we'll definitely do that for you. If you are not the member of this community already, visit developernation.net and join us today to enjoy more interesting content. I'll see you in the later episodes. Hi, Mirek. Welcome to the Developer Nation podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, Ayan. It's nice to meet you and pleasure to be here. I'm fine. And what about you? I'm doing good too. And I'm very excited to interview. I've been researching about you and your profile on different platforms. And I see you have a very astonishing career journey. And you are also mentoring a lot of engineers and helping them, you know, grow to the next level, getting into the product. So I'm sure that our audience will gonna love this podcast and learn a lot from your wisdom that you have been having from over the years of experience working in different companies. So let's quickly start uh, with your introduction, what you do and what things you have been working on and all the projects that you are recently undertaken. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, my name is Mirek uh, Miroslav, depending on you know which way is easier to pronounce. Currently, I'm the director of engineering at Papaya Global. Papaya is the company for the global payroll. So basically, you know, hiring people abroad and sending them the money on time. Uh, with uh, all of, you know, the, the, the compliance around that. And in the past, uh, I was uh, leading leaders and engineering teams at Azimo, which was another fintech company actually acquired by Papaya Global. So it's uh, yeah interesting t- story to share. And before that, I ran my own startup slash software house in which we built, you know, mobile applications for the, for the external clients. So basically this is like the last 10 years of my of my career that is amazing and and we get in touch with the the i i'm not sure how to put it is it your side project is it something that you're working out of passion the practical engineering management so let's talk about that what that is and what mm-hmm. things have you been working on in that front yeah sure so you know why my career started like i said let's say about 10 years ago i did some programming a few years back but when i started the professional career I found, I found some mentors and actually they don't know me. You know, those are the online mentors, uh, people, you know, on the, on the C-level or the director position who shared their knowledge with me, you know, either on the internet or on the conferences. And actually, thanks to them, I, I am where I am. And they, they, they taught me a lot of stuff about, you know, how to build software, but how to, but how to build product and stuff like that. So basically, the practical engineering management is my way of giving back. I'm in the position where I think I have some experience, which I can share, you know, with the people all over the world, hopefully, and help help them, you know, to, to get up to speed with, with, with their stuff, either around the software engineering or software engineering management. So basically, basically, this is it. I'm giving back to the community. 
that is amazing and i so much resonate with the fact that even i had lot of mentors and they don't know me given oh, yeah. the fact when i was starting my career there were lot of people who you know their work fascinates me and i was they were they, their work was so inspiring so i just used to go and read out their blogs on a regular basis watch the stuff that they're putting out always on a lookout of a new talk and that taught me a lot and i so felt that when you said it and it's it's great that you decided you're going to give back to the community and this is your way of doing it and this is really amazing i've been seeing lot of amazing content that you have put out there starting from you know your mission which says that great ideas happen through empowered engineering leadership work let's talk about that how does that fit into the picture what areas have you identified that this is where engineers need to be empowered and this is the result that we will get once we have this sort of workforce in technology world yeah sure so you know even though even the word empowered it can be a blurry thing yeah everyone everyone in english they are empowered every company is empowered if you read their missions and then the, the vision statements everyone does something good for you know for society yeah but uh, you know the, the the thing is how to put those big words into something practical and this is this is this is the challenging thing yeah you can you can have you know the 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 fancy posters in your office you can have you know a lot of pr materials but in the end of the day you know you have you have teams you have engineers but also you know the the, the other departments trying to do something to do something practical and what i'm trying to to do with you know with the practical and engineering management and practical is the word here is showing what exactly does it mean to be empowered what exactly does it mean to be you know missionary you, know, you have the statement you know mercenaries versus versus missionary so this is this is what i try to do i'm trying to bring the ideas to 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 leaders to show them what exactly you can do you know today tomorrow morning next week to make at least one step forward toward you know building empowered teams but by that i mean teams which are focused on the right things which are focused on delivering value to 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 customer because you know as you know being engineer it's 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 a great thing you are you, you are the, the, the you, you are the inventor you are builder yeah you have your lego bricks and you can build whatever you want and actually from the one side it's it's a great thing but it's also a trap because you can spend next half a year building something with this you know maybe a great piece of technology maybe sure, a great yeah. algorithm maybe you know great i don't know optimization pattern whatever but in the end of the, of the day what matters is the value that you deliver to your customers to your users to people who will use you know either your product or the library or whatever you you, you produce so this is this is what i'm what i'm trying to bring and this is, i would like to help leaders to help their teams build things that matter so yeah this is how i see uh, it 100% that's really fascinating and we will definitely be breaking it down further because that's something that i'm sure our listeners would be really interested to hear more about but let's start from your career journey back in the day uh, when when you were in university you know going for an engineering undergrad degree 
where did you you know see yourself back then and how come it actually you know when when you enter the real world of uh, making products working in collaboration with different engineers so where did you start back in the days and how could how it comes evolving over the periods so i know you have been a startup founder yourself and you have worked for different organizations so walk us through your career journey and what sort of interesting challenges did you solve while navigating the field of technology mhm this this is interesting question because I don't remember the exact moment in my life when when it started. Yeah. I was playing with with you know with technology from the early days of my life. I got you know programming book from my grandfather, which actually I read like first five pages <laughs> because I was at that time I was like twelve, ten, twelve, something like this. But I think this is when when it started. And oh, over the time I was just I was just playing with stuff on the computer. As, you know i i remember the times of dos system or you know windows 95 so at the time it was even just playing with with the operating system it was you know this kind of you know hacking or or, or doing something something geeky and i think it, it it was kind of the natural move to to jump into into some basic like uh, you know html so the time i just built my like personal website whatever it was and over the time going you know deep into this this rabbit hole i was just adding stuff i was i was i built the, the, the simple website and then i thought okay maybe i'll add some you know additional logic to that interesting interesting twist of my career and in, in my high school i started working and at the radio station it was you know the simple practice but we we had a, we had a program in which we in which we played some some you know some musics and uh, yeah so at the time we thought okay maybe we will add you know the simple website in which we we will have like te- top 10 you know top 10 artists or maybe top 10 tracks and yeah at the beginning it was just the, 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 you know the manual entry which i was updating like every week or something and then i thought okay so maybe let's add some extra logic which gives you ability as a listener to 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 you know to to to, to, to vote on your on your bands yeah and at that time i didn't know how to do that so i just you know dig into the subject i fo- i found uh, i think it was jquery or you know adjective technologies i did some stuff in in php and so what's the point here i didn't learn technology for the sake of of learning technology i had some interesting ideas coming you know either from my head or from my friends or from the things i do and there's like okay maybe it's possible to do that in, in in you know in the in the technology and i was just digging deeper i was playing with this or that technology then i then i saw then i mean like 2 years later i saw you know android being revealed to public their first mobile devices i bought one because you know i was i was the the, the geek i think i was i i, I spent you know the half a year of, of of my money to buy this phone and i thought okay it would be great to put my stuff into the mobile phone so i went into into you know google or android website and i just went through the hello world just for the sake of putting my you know my name few buttons my experience from the website into the mobile so this is this is actually this is how the most of my career looks like 
and just you know yeah, getting because you're getting being the best teacher like I, i totally relate to it back in the days my uncle still tell me the story that when i was like it's 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 my third or fourth birthday and someone got me an airplane it was not something that you could fly but it's just a showpiece but it has a lot of complicated parts and i happened to wanted to see it fly so we used to live in on the seventh floor and i just threw it outside the window and it totally broke down but then i went down collected all the parts and i managed to bring it back in the shape and everyone was like this this <laughs> fella is going to be an engineer one day and my mom was like it he could be a mechanic which is not a great thing to be <laughs> but i totally relate the things that you are mentioning there are definitely people out there who don't start with technology to become an engineer necessarily but the curiosity keeps driving them and as you oh, mentioned yeah. you 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 put a lot of earnings in buying the phone because of the curiosity and then you wanted to see your name into it that drive you into app development and yeah i could totally relate to it please continue Yeah so and actually um, it shows you why I'm more the front end guy. Yeah? The thing is that I need to see the results of my work. And this is why I I'm kind you know crappy in building backends and building you know the hello world applications in 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 C, C++, Java. I didn't get it. Yeah it, you know I'm just writing things on on the console and this is Okay, maybe the programming is not for me. And then, you know, I I came back to 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 the website, to to the mobile applications, something where you are like 5 minutes or maybe 1 hour from seeing the results of your work, 1 hour from from presenting the buttons that actually you can kind of physically click on and it will interact with you. So this is me. I know that there are, you know, engineers who have, you know, different motivations there are people who who would like who want to see you know a huge amount of data being calculated very quickly and giving them you know accurate results it's not me i'm the one who needs to see who need to kind of feel what's what's, what's happening what i'm producing and that's why i'm into you know the websites mobile applications but those also i like to do you know stuff around ui ux i'm this you know pixel perfection is where i just need to be sure that, that you know the, the things are in line and, and and stuff like that i see my name scrolling and i'm going to do it for the rest of my life <laughs> that's really interesting well let's talk about your day to day work as director of engineering now you are at the pabaya global initially mm-hmm. you used to head the engineering department at azimo so for someone who is who has just started their journey their career journey and they wanted to understand how a day in the life of director of engineering looks like so how would you how would you put it do you enter the office what things do you work on on day to day basis okay it's 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 a it's a good question because obviously it depends on you know on the challenges in front of you like i mentioned at the beginning i'm in the process of acquisition yeah? so basically papaya global bought the azimo and what we've been doing for last more than ha- than half a year we've been integrating basically everything the technology the teams know-how but also you know the culture and this is this is this is what i do i'm just trying to make things easier and what i mean by that so there are many many books uh, which tells you that actually the individual contributor the the you know the software engineer or product designer those are the people 
who touch the, the product. So those are the people who have this touch point with the customers. So what I do, I just try to make sure that those people with, with the, with the deep understanding of, you know, of user experience, deep, deep understanding of, you know, systems and algorithms at, and how it's connected and the performance and, and the programming language, everything. I need to be sure that they have enough space and support and everything what they need to do their job. And like I said, uh, at the beginning, I, I try to make things practical. So what does it mean from the practical perspective? Sometimes I'm sitting on the meetings where we draw, you know, super complex architecture, how things are interconnected, how our mobile app will talk to the gateway, which is connected to our, you know, core uh, microservice and how it's connected with the rest of, of, you know, of the system. And sometimes I just make a call because someone didn't get the access to, to, to GitHub or to Jira or to Confluence and they are blocked for, you know, for days, sometimes weeks because they didn't get it. So once I read interesting interview with Sandra Pichai, you know, the CEO of Google, yep. and, and he said that the higher you are in the hierarchy, the more often your job is just to move the needle. You're just helping experts to do their job. So basically, basically this is, this is what I, what I do, what I'm trying. Really interesting. So it's about easing the friction that a product and people involved in the product faces on day-to-day -day life. That's really interesting. All right, let's, let's, let's circle back to the practical engineering management. I wanted to understand, I'm sure that you have interacted with a lot of four different engineering teams. <laughs> you have also mentored people. So what patterns uh, have you seen within the engineering teams uh, working on interesting product? What are their biases? What things you, according to you, are they missing? And what things are that there is a constant sort of uh, availability of that particular thing when it comes to the engineering team of today, modern day startup? Yeah, so one 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 thing that I that I need to add to that is also the part of my of my personal career. So I became a leader. At the time it was it was a tech lead, as the most senior engineer in the room. I was just thought, okay, you you do a great job in programming. Now go and lead the team. So yeah, this I I just started. I I I started working with people in a way. Like I tried to, 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 to kind of produce the clones of myself. I was telling them, okay, go do this, do this, do that. This is the, the architecture I expect you to do and so on. And you know, you can imagine that it didn't, it didn't work well, but fortunately at the time I, I, I read a few quite interesting books, which, which were very influential on my professional life as a, as a leader and actually it put things really upside down. It wasn't about telling people what to do, but like I said a few minutes ago, it was about making things easier for the, for the professionals. I don't, as a leader, as a manager, I don't have to be uh, the most senior person in the, in the room. I just need to be sure that the potential of people who are senior in this or that area, it's unleashed. 
its heroes to to to, to the uh, to the best. And you know what are what are the challenges for for leaders? There are many of them, obviously, and it all depends on the on the you know situation. So one is is the company, the, the you know the, the level is it you know startup scale up the big corporation, but it's also about the entire environment around us. So one of the story from from my experience is Asimo was the office first company. Basically, we were there you know every single day talking to each other um, and building uh, you know our stuff for years, and then COVID came in lockdown and it happened within like seven days seven days before we didn't know yeah at the time it was the very last time when we saw each other in person and this state will persist for for more than a year more than a year so yeah so you know we needed to learn very very quickly how to work remotely and the challenges at the time were mostly, you know, about the communication, how to work with each other when you're, when you we are looking at the cameras rather than you know the real face. But it's not only that. So one of the interesting challenge from my side is actually dealing with the burnout of of people in my teams. So when you when you talk to management back then, the biggest fear was the productivity. Productivity. If you let people work from home. How do we make sure that they have, you know, performance high enough? In my case, it was actually the opposite. People start delivering more than when they were in the office. And why was that? One of the reasons was the fear, kind of the fear that, okay, no one is looking at me. No one is looking in my hands. So I need to prove that actually I'm doing something while sitting at home. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> so you, you know, it's it's interesting because as a, as a as a leader at the time, I was preparing myself. Okay, we need to have like better tracking, more KPIs, you know, better management of, of tasks. And I ended up with dealing with this, you know, human problems. So imagine it was me telling people that you know, if you decided to work till five. Please shut down your your laptop after five, because you know I started seeing people replying on our company chat, you know, 10 p.m. Yeah, in the almost in the middle yeah. of the night, and it, it, it was like, okay. Why why do you do that? Ah, you know, because I I use my my company laptop to watch you know some TV series, and when I see the notification, okay, so I'm I'm just replying people. It is okay if you do that, you know, for one, two, three weeks. But if you do that for the half a year, actually, you are at work twenty four seven. And this was the the, the challenges I, I I dealt with. So what I what I'm trying to say here that everything really really depends. So as a, as a leader, you need to you need to you know acknowledge the situation, but you you also need to gather as much feedback as possible to understand. What are the problems which you are trying to solve? Hundred percent. I totally agree that people have this sort of mentality, especially during the COVID time, that they need to justify their working hours and they need to still prove 
that they are working and not uh, sitting with the mountain view and sipping pina coladas on company's payroll and sort of poster uh, syndrome kicking in so i could totally feel and that did result in a lot of burn burnouts and what not back in the days also a lot of people resigning from their job and i totally agree this could this was a real big challenge and i'm sure things are improving now uh let's let's talk about hiring are you involved in to hiring new engineers and if so what sort of uh, skill set and mindset do you look for people when you are hiring someone coming from an engineering background in in your team or any product that you're building yeah yeah so yeah i do i do hiring actually i think that until today i interviewed hundreds if not more than thousands of people do you enjoy it yes i do it is because you know in my career what i do during interview um, you know changes over time at the beginning i was obviously the technical interviewer oh my god and i i i was really bad at that <laughs> i know i talked to a lot of people especially who are into startup ecosystem and they were like oh my god hiring is like one thing that they need to get right because startups are always yeah. running out of this runway there is always resources thinning stretching thin so this is one thing that everyone is constantly saying that they need to get it right so i wanted to understand how's your experience in hiring and how do you uh, select candidate comes with different technology knowledge and uh, mindset mm-hmm. what things you look for okay so you know today today i i mostly look for 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 the potential and this is this is i think that this is the thing that i that i learned too late because you know if you do the interview today and it has a few other stages probably it will take few days sometimes few weeks more and then there are you know some formalities so in the end the the person that that you are that you are interviewing today he or she will be hired potentially in next quarter and sometimes especially in the, in the startup world actually it, it can be totally different company totally different product totally different challenges so the thing is that you need to you need to try to predict what kind of skills what kind of but also what kind of personality you will need at that time in the next few months because you know then this this person joins the company so then you have the onboarding process and so on so you cannot just assess the skills for here and now you need to think about where this person will be in, in the next few weeks months years this is this this is the, the the one thing another thing so now i'm the part when when i do interviews i'm the part of soft skills interview we we call it this way this is sometimes you 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 call it the the, the cultural fit basically you know assessing all of the skills but the technical ones technical ones are already you know passed and the thing is that there is a bit of misunderstanding what does it mean this this kind of cultural fit or or soft skills very often you think okay we need to find the person like us who thinks like very similarly so so it's easier for us to communicate the thing is that actually you need to find the people who will extend your team who will add something new who will add you know new perspective new point of view in the global world sometimes it's he or she will bring new kind of cultural values this is this is what you need to what you need to you know seek for yeah so this is this is another thing 
there is also, you know, the 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 environment stuff in in, in a company. So you have teams which are kind of stable. They they will know what they know what will they will do in next few weeks, months, years. On the other side, you have teams who are in the discoverer phase. What means that their work can be kind of unstructured. Yeah. So you you do a lot of back and forth with the product teams. You try to understand your customers. And sometimes coding is like two percent of, of your work. Another landscape is is discovery slash slash research. You produce a lot of you know prototypes, a lot of ideas, but in the end, half of them is going to the trash, literally. Eh? And now you need to think you need to think if if this person who who is let's call them the builders. You have you know different different personalities profiles, but let's say this person is builder. I know that he or she will will struggle with trying unstable things, with playing with beta or even alpha versions of you know libraries, integrations, and so on. But he or she will be very solid in executing the you know the plan that, that we have. And you know the other way around. If you if you see that these are the, the he or she is the inventor, I think that it will be boring for them just to sit down and build you know the solid application for next you know period. So as you can see, there are, there are you know many different many different factors in firing. So it really depends on on, on the on everything, the situation, the company, projects, challenges ahead of you, and so. Very well put. So while we are on this topic, and I know for the fact that practical engineering management has been helping a lot of people out there. So how about you share some tips for someone who just started their career journey and they're working as an individual contributor now, but down the line, few years, maybe they want to manage the product. They want to be a project manager. So what skills you think, both in terms of technical and soft skills, so to speak, they should start learning today. So let's say five years down the line from individual contributor, they're managing a product and a team. Okay, so I think it is important, you know, how to how to talk to people, how to build this kind of personal relationship, how to build trust between them. And those are, you know, we call them soft skills, but actually this is the crucial extension of hard skills we have, you know, you know the coding architectures. Do you think they, they can be taught or is it someone like comes natural to you? So I think it's a, it's a mix of both. It's a good to know the theory behind that, but you need to practice this theory. And there are a lot of things. There are a lot of great books around, you know, the building the growth mindset, for example. So, you know, making mistakes, it's not something bad. It's, it's something that brings you, you know, the, the, the lessons which will make you better. So what the thing, the thing with those soft skills is that very often they, they, they are kind of unnatural for you in the first stages. So let's say you as a manager, you need to find a way to, to celebrate, to thank people for their hard work. But if you don't do this, if you have never done this, and when you first time approach, you know, engineers in, in your team and tell them you did a great job, 
it feels a bit awkward. You're the person, you know, never telling that. And now you're, what do you want from me? <laughs> this is, uh, this is, uh, you know, how it's perceived. But, but what's, what's the kind of feedback from this message that you need to do more of that rather than not doing that at all? I had interesting story when I started my one-on-ones. It, it was another thing. I was, like I said, this, this controlling manager. And in one of the blog posts, I read, oh, you should do one-on-ones with your teammates. And here is the list of tips to, to do, you know, focus on them, ask questions, so on. I thought, I thought, okay, it's easy. I wrote down, you know, the list of those stuff that I need to do during the meeting. And I asked people for yeah, like 30 minutes meeting to, to, to talk about that. Most of them were nervous and afraid that actually I, I, we have this meeting. So I, I let them go. So I just want to fire them. I was like, okay. So I, you know, start having those meetings to, to help them grow, to, to finally to tell them that they do a great job and they thought that I want to fire them. So like I said, you need to, you need to keep practicing those things so they feel natural. So you, you build the trust between you and team. Another example is tracking tools and metrics and stuff like that. If you, if you don't have enough level of trust between you and, and, uh, and your team, and you start, you know, showing the, the metrics, very often it's, it's taken like, okay, now I want to control them. And they, they, they are kind of reluctant to, to use, you know, the Jira or, you know, crash analytics stuff, because they think that I will take this data and I will use it, I don't know, during the performance review, whatever. While when there is trust, like, like the real trust between you and, the, and your team, you use this data as an opportunity to learn or to make the team better or to show that you really understand the situation. So for example, in, in, in my past projects, we had crash-free metrics. And when I, when I worked with the team who I didn't earn enough trust because I was fresh manager for them and I was presenting those crash analytics during all hands meeting, then the team was approaching me. They, they, they were telling me, Mirek, you're blaming us in front of the entire company. We don't feel comfortable with that. And I had another team who I worked with for many years and I was presenting the same metrics and we had some drops in those crashes. And then I was talking with them, do you feel comfortable when I share those things publicly? And they, was like, they were like, yes, because by that we are showing that we control the situation that rather than our customers coming to us, telling that something is wrong with your application, it is us the, you know, the product in the engineering team owning this piece of software, knowing exactly what happened, when, and what was the reason of that. So, but like I said, first you need to start with trust and you need to show people why do you do those things. So, yeah. hundred percent. As a leader, you have to win your, the trust of your team first. 
and I, I really like the the wisdom that you shared, especially given the fact that you didn't talk about any technology, so to speak, but more about understanding human psychology and building relationship that will go a long way. Bringing us to the favorite part of the podcast where I, I share my favorite questions with all the guests and I wanted to, you know, have their opinion. So let's start with the, your take on engineering degrees versus, uh, let's say, courses, books and uh, online academies. What do you feel about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, full disclosure, I, I, I don't have degree. I started studies and the, 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 the IT science and then I stopped in the middle of that. So I, I have kind of half of degree. Yeah? I don't have masters. I have something previously. I did that because, you know, I started my startup. I had enough technical skills, let's call it this way, to start selling, you know, my work, yeah? my, my software. And I am where I am. So I think I'm the, the, the proof that you don't have to have the engineering degree to, to have, I would say, quite successful career. But obviously it, it all depends. So I I, only, I can only guess yeah, if you work for, let's say, SpaceX, where actually you build the software on the edge of physics and there are a lot of things, a lot of unanswered things. I think that PhD will help you there. <laughs> we need to understand the basics of that. But but the thing is that, in my opinion, most of product companies who build software, you know, we don't we don't crack like very hard science problems. Yeah, we have we have to deal with you know millions lines of code. So this is the the hard part. But, but you don't necessarily need to have PhD to, to do that. It will help you, especially if you need to, I don't know, optimize something. You need to understand, I don't know, the performance of, of given algorithms, stuff like that. But uh, sometimes, or maybe often, you're just taking tools out of the shelf. And sometimes this is, you know, SaaS platform. Sometimes those are the open source library and you are just combining them and you're making them, you know, useful for, 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 for product, for, sorry, for customers. And you don't need, you know, engineering degree for that. So, you know, the answer, the answer is it, obviously it, it, it depends, but what, what's great today. And I didn't, I didn't have a chance to, to, to use that at the early days of my career is amount of knowledge available for you either for free or for you know little amount of money when i was when 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 i was learning android i just need to play with things the hard way and just you know coding stuff installing that on my on my on my phone and then just you know iterating over that Currently, you have courses where within next three months, you can build a fully working app, which are, you know, explained by experts from the, from the industry. And the thing is that those courses are coming from professionals who build product on a daily basis, or at least they consult the product on a daily basis. And the thing is that very often they have more experience, they have more product experience that people teaching you on the, on the university. I mean, this is at least in my country. I know that in some countries, 
you know, the, 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 the scientists or academic teachers, they are, they are also, you know, product professionals. They build things. Uh, in my case, those are, you know, physicians, mathematicians who spend their, their entire life on the university. That's why you see, you see my, my point here. Yeah, hundred percent. That's great. Very well put. Let's talk about what do you think about role of communities and meetup groups when it comes to taking your career to the next level? You know, the, obviously, they there are some extra motivations for that. You know, groups created by by you know Google years ago by by Facebook. There is some kind of incentive for them to build community community around their product. But, and obviously, you know, they are selling their, 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 their stuff during the groups or meetups and so on. But to be completely honest, I think this is, this is excellent thing because in the end, this is the way you, you kind of grow professionals where, where, you know, the people can meet with each other, can share their ideas. I think that the overall, this is, this is the, the power of, of. IT industry overall, we do share things. You know, there are not so many patents here. We put everything, you know, as an open source. Yeah. We we share stuff during meetings, meetups, conferences. We are so open. I and I think that this is the key for the IT industry that it it it's been moving so fast. So yeah, like, like I said, I I know that there are kind of the hidden motivation and yeah? we, we need to keep people, you know, engaged into, into, you know, Google or Facebook or Amazon or any other products. But in the end, if it ends with great products built for people all over the world and solving the real problems, yeah, I, I, this is, this is great. This is the way for, you know, keep, keep moving on. 100%. It's been lovely chatting with you, Merek, and I'm sure there is a lot that people are going to take away with this episode, especially the one who are interested into building products of next generation. But before we close the recording and sign off, I know you read a, read a lot of books. Would you like to just share a couple of your favorite books for our readers? And if you are currently reading anything that you would also like to share, not in terms of book, but blogs or something, mm. now would be the best time to do that. Okay, and and actually, actually, this is also the hard question. I read a lot, and I try to mix, you know, mix the ideas together. And this is this is the the, the one thing that I would like to share with everyone. It, the important thing is not to read one book and apply it to everything, but rather reading as many as you can and start mixing those ideas to try to interconnect things. And uh, I would encourage everyone to try not just the technical books or books coming from tech people around leadership and management. I would encourage you to, to, to read something about science, psychology, uh, sometimes also the novels, because they will bring you something from, from, from the outside. And now when it comes to the exact titles from our ecosystem, the books that I very often give to, 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 to people I work with are inspired and empowered, both written by Marty Kagan. And if it is the only book I, 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 I can recommend, I would say, yeah, pick one of those because those book, books will show you 
as a software engineer or the person working with engineering, how important engineering is in the product teams. Very often, you know, it's like engineers work for product and those books show you that no, engineering is product, is part of product, is part of discovery. So I really, really recommend reading those. Other, I really liked Accelerate, which shows you exactly what are the values from the technology that, that you can apply, how important is, you know, deployment speed or, you know, failure rates and how to apply them to, to you know, you know day-to-day work. So this was another book I, I really recommend uh, or I even give to, to, to people I work with. Another one for leaders is Good Strategy, Bad Strategy by Richard Rumelt. And it's a book coming from the business world, but there are a lot of great ideas helping you to build your technical strategy for next months, if not years. There are really few great ideas, patterns. Actually, you can take this book, put it on, on, the, on the whiteboard or Miro or Figjam or whatever, and you can start putting technical things and you will build the, 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 the strategy. And the last book, this is my like very personal recommendation. It's uh, it's Creativity Incorporated by Ed Catmull, who is the president of Pixar. And why this is my personal recommendation? Because this was my very first book for me as a professional leader who showed me what does it mean to be a leader. So, you know, this was the first book. Probably there are many other things, but this, this was the first for, for me. And it was the, the eye-opener. This was where my professional career started as a manager or, or leader. So I cannot recommend it more. Amazing. I'm going to mention the names of all the books Merrick mentioned in the description. And very subtly also put uh, practicalengineering.management blog, which is by Merrick himself. And it's amazing. Thank you very much once again, Merrick. And I'm sure we're going to be getting you again on this, episode, on this show real soon and talk more about the things that we're working on. But all the best for things you are building, all the best for the transition and practical engineering.management. It was lovely talking to you and looking forward for more such interaction. Thank you, Ayan. It was really a pleasure. And yeah, I hope we'll see each other soon. Have a great day to you and to everyone who is listening. You too. Thank you.